Good afternoon, everyone. If you're looking for the Safety and Health Magazine webcast sponsored by Aveta, you are in the right place. We're going to give our attendees just a couple more minutes to, to join us, and we'll be back in just a moment. Thanks everyone. If you're looking for the Safety and Health Magazine webcast featuring sponsored by Aveta, you are in the right place. We're going to wait just one more minute for more folks to join us and we'll be starting in just one minute. Thank you. Hello everyone and welcome to today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast, Stopping the Stigma, Best Practices for Addressing Mental Illness and Workplace Safety, sponsored by Aveta. My name is Barry Botino and I'm an Associate Editor with Safety and Health Magazine. I will be your moderator today. Thanks for joining us. In a few minutes we'll start the presentation, but first I'd like to go over some housekeeping items. The views of today's speaker and organization are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health Magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise, product, or publication does not mean the Council or the magazine endorses those items. After today's presentation, we'll conduct a question and answer session with our speaker. To ask a question, simply type it in the text box in the lower left-hand corner of your screen and click the button for Submit Question. Feel free to ask your question at any time at all during the presentation. You don't need to wait until the Q&A session begins. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible today, but we might not be able to get to every one. Any questions we don't get to, however, will be forwarded along to today's speaker. Our sponsor, Aveta, is offering some resources for all attendees today. If you look over at the left hand of your screen, the Resources widget, that's where you'll find a white paper on today's topic and the complete slide presentation from this webcast. If you happen to have any technical issues during this webcast, please refer to our list of helpful tips, which are located on the right-hand portion of your screen. And for basic troubleshooting information, click the Help button located at the bottom of your screen. At the end of the webcast today, you'll be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey, but I'll tell you a bit more about that later. Finally, this webcast is archived, you can access it after today's live event. To view this webcast and all of our past webcasts, visit us online. We're at safetyandhealthmagazine.com slash events. 
With that, let's introduce today's presenter. Our speaker today is Lori Kanapi. Lori has more than two decades of experience in the health, safety, and environmental field. Among her many professional accomplishments, Lori is a certified DNV auditor, holds a master's training certificate for aerial working platforms and forklifts, and has been certified rig pass instructor. She's a member of numerous professional organizations, including serving as a chairperson for API RPT8, Safe and Gulf, and the Gulf Coast Safety and Training Group. Again, we thank you all for tuning in to this presentation today. Lori, whenever you're ready, go ahead and take it away. Thank you, Barry, and hello to everybody, and thank you for taking the time to join our webinar. We are certainly going to try and provide you with some great takeaways and things that you'll find useful in your own workplace. We wanted to take a little bit of time today to discuss mental health in the workplace, <clears throat> its impacts, and some suggested programs <clears throat> to address potential mental health issues at your workplace to share information with all of your employees to provide a better understanding, not only in the workplace, but at home and the public as well. <clears throat> and I apologize, my allergies are going to be against me today, no matter how much allergy medicine I have already taken. So what is mental health? According to the World Health Organization, their definition of mental health is exactly what it says here. Health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not merely the absence of a disease or infirmity. So we need to remember that we are one body, and everything that happens to us is a part of the reason why it carries through our entire system. <clears throat> so this slide is some key facts, and this is pulled again from the World Health Organization. And one of the most important blocks that I considered was the last block. So many people do not know the resources that are available to them or how to find them. And that's one of the things that we're going to look at today is we're going to explore that further. The importance of mental health. While this may seem as something that does not need to be stated, it does. So many people do not give the importance to mental health that it is. As it's stated in that line, we all have our own stress levels and stress issues. The impact of our daily ability to handle these varies from day to day. What might not bother you today might bother you tomorrow. The reason it bothers you could be a variety. However, stress and overload can certainly play a factor. So here's some fast facts. One in five adults experiences mental illness. When you look at one in five, it doesn't look that grand, um, especially when you look at the graphic where they're colored and then they kind of go off to the gray. But when you read further and see that that number equals approximately 44 million adults in the United States, 
that's a lot of folks that are suffering with some form of mental illness. And that's only adult. We're not talking teenagers or children or any of those other particular things which could be a delayed development or an autism. That's not the type of mental health that we're talking about. We're talking about the adults. And then when you look a little further, 1 in 25 have a serious mental health issue. Um, and unfortunately, as we know, there's so many of them that do not receive care that they need. So mental health impacts, this particular information is pulled from the Center for Disease Control. For me, the most important, they're all important, but for me, the most important is the number one fact. Poor mental health increases the risk of long-lasting chronic physical conditions like heart, heart disease, stroke, and cancer. People accept stress as part of their normal emotions. While it is good to have a bit of stress, it keeps you energized, it keeps you alert, it keeps you striving to achieve, too much stress can have a negative effect on your body inside and out. We've all seen people that have, look at, look at most presidents, they go in with colored hair, they come out with gray hair just after four years of being in that office because of the stress from that work. So we can definitely see not only health effects, but also visual effects for folks that are under extreme quantities of stress. What holds people back from seeking help? There are a variety of reasons people don't seek help. Lack of accurate knowledge of what mental health is, the many layers of mental health, resources available to them, cause and effect of mental health not only to themselves but to those around them, at work, at home, in the public. There's also a variety of reasons people don't offer help. Many of the reasons are equally shared by those not seeking and not giving. Again, that lack of understanding, that lack of knowledge, not knowing what resources there are out there to offer or to suggest. And of course, obviously, both sides have equal, both sides of mental health can affect each person. They both have the same cause and effects, whether it's the in inflicted person or the affected person. <clears throat> What can you do or say? These suggestions are valid for everyone. Be non-judgmental. Listen to what people have to say. Be compassionate. Offer valid comments and valid responses. Offer help. Listen to their responses to see if there's a need for further action. Show active caring. Active caring is what it sounds like, an action. Be active. It can be something as simple as noticing one of your employees or coworkers is having an off day, maybe acting out of sorts. A simple act such as maybe taking them for a cup of coffee, removing them from that work environment to give them a break from where they don't feel that they're being watched or observed. When you have the opportunity to remove them from that environment, make the conversation supportive and not like an interrogation. You might be able to reference something and connect it to you to open that line of conversation. You go first. 
sometimes when you offer something, people will come back and say, oh, I understand, or oh, that's me too. And then it will help open that line of communication. One of the biggest obstacles that we have with mental health is lack of communication. So breaking the stigma, how do we do that? Well, the World Health Organization has given us some tidbits. And for an op employer's opportunity, they define stigma as a mark of disgrace associated with a particular circumstance, quality, or person. That is quite a definition. And you can see why people are reluctant to speak openly about mental illness. Employers have a great opportunity to make a change in people's knowledge, comfort, and communication. You can captive and you have a captive audience to share information, provide resources, and offer help. The timing is perfect. There's much more awareness and promotion, such as commercials for medicines or support groups, and doctors are being more open about conversations with patients, addressing and properly treating mental illness as an illness of the overall person and not as a disease of its own. Moving towards a stigma-free workplace and how do you achieve that? One of the biggest things is ta talking openly about norm mental health, normalizing those conversations and making it part of every day where it doesn't become something that's an embarrassment or doesn't become something that you fear is going to hold you back. Referencing personal experiences and not something read online or seen on the news gives the reference more strength and believability. Everyone should openly talk about mental health issues or stressors, but it is important for leaders to do so. It reduces concern to the employees that they will be viewed differently or as a potential problem. It allows them to not fear about talking about something or a problem that they're having. These potential warning signs, most of us are familiar with them, but I wanted to list them and perhaps later you can refer back to them and see if someone you know or even you yourself are exhibiting these behaviors. And they're all, like I say, very common. It comes from the National Institute of Mental Health, uh, the National Institute of Health. So these are definitely out there and available for you. Causations in the workplace, these again are some things that can definitely increase stress in the workplace. Job insecurity, there's a couple of different levels of that, whether it's the economy or whether it's a cutback in hours and certainly the lack of stability. Years ago, you went to work, your father went to work, you know, your father went to work for a company, you went, your kids went. It's no longer like that. That kind of guaranteed employment is no longer there. And of course, high stress. Everybody has much more demanding jobs. Um, so all of these are, are significant causations in the workplace. But there's other causations as well. There could be things that add to a worker's stress, such as a harassment or workplace bullying, perhaps a catastrophic event, such as an injury, a fire, an explosion. Uh, there's always, of course, the concern of the stability of the own company, of your own company, and the stability in the 
global economy. So this graph shows how much money was in lost earnings last year. And it's pretty surprising. $193 billion are attributed in lost earnings because of mental health issues. And this is a shared, this, this loss of earnings is shared by employers and employees. Sometimes when you have a contract, you have a work contract that you're going to deliver by such a date. If you don't get it delivered by such a date, there's going to be penalties to be fined for late deliveries and late times. And those type of things obviously come into play when you have decreased workforce, people that aren't mentally able to work at their full capacity, or then you have to bring in temp workers to replace them and take the time to train them. There's also the issue for the employee as far as lost monies that obviously their, their bring home is cut back. How are they going to meet their budgets? How are they going to pay their bills? So the amount of money lost was really quite, quite surprising for me. Impacts on business for all. As all employers know, Retention of workers impacts a business considerably. When you look at the time to advertise, hire, train, get them up to speed, it's a significant cost. But even greater, the overall morale of the remaining workforce can definitely impact your ability on the business. While it's always great to meet new people, there is always sadness when you lose an established worker or team member. It can definitely impact the entire department or the entire company. So employee retention is, is a valuable tool for a, uh, an employer. So this was a study from um, the APA, American Psychiatry Association, and the results here are showing just want to clarify that it's not the percentage of men who cried, but the percentage of men that felt it was okay to cry. The percentage for men, as you can see, was significantly lower for women. It isn't just showing men's necessarily ability to cry, but the difference between men and women and the acceptance of showing overall emotions. So stressors for men in the workplace, and this is one of our handouts for today, this study that was done, um, done with Aveta. From a very young age, men are taught to be tough, take it in stride, be a man. Sometimes unflattering labels are used uh, by young boys, young men against each other. This could be considered early training for men to feel the need to repress outward emotions. And we want to make sure that we do not create an internal wall that men feel that they cannot express their concerns or their issues that they're having. Stressors for women. Women have similar stresses at a young age. However, women tend to share their emotions and happenings with others at a more open rate than men. Having a career and family are challenging to both men and women. While childcare can be equally split between men and women, there is still a trend that women provide more support with alternative duties, whether it's 
homework or school activities, carpooling, doctor's visits. In the workplace, women have different sets of obstacles than men have. Men, because they are considered still in this day, the primary breadwinner for the family, they have a lot of stress for promotion and wage earning and, and all of that. Women are getting there, um, and that's one of the things in general about women's health, because men worked and women stayed home you know, 50 years ago, health studies were not done for women as they were for men. So it's important to look at the stressors for both men and women equally. So here are some suggested actions to take. And these are some things that you can do to release stress. And a lot of them you may already have in place. The one that I really wanted to touch base on is mindfulness techniques. Some of the other ones are a little harder depending upon whatever your agreements are, whatever your work hours are, and certainly remote workers and commuting distances. Sometimes those are a little harder for an employer to get their hands around. But mindfulness techniques are things that anybody can use and they really do make a difference. Mindfulness is not new, but it's popping up again. Things always cycle around and it's definitely popping up again. The biggest Benefit and part of mindfulness is to slow down. Take a minute, whatever you need to do. Turn your computer off, turn your lights off, just sit, take a deep breath, slow down. Those big, nice, deep, reoxygenating breaths, they honestly can improve your heart rate. It can relax muscles, roll your shoulders. So many companies have programs, but in built into their software where every hour it'll pop up, stretch your neck, the next hour it'll pop up, you know, do some shoulder stretches and that type of thing, because all of these physical activities can help reduce stress in the workplace. And with mindfulness techniques, again, taking that minute to just get a break, get a mental break and clear your mind and reoxygenate yourself and it can really re-energize you and rejuvenate you to carry on. Commonplace conversations. Language, as we know, is a very strong thing. Language is very important to get your message across. Language is very important to make sure that everybody clearly understands, but language can also be very damaging. If it is, if a language or a word or a phrase is used enough, it can absolutely impact someone's thoughts, someone's beliefs, or an area's thoughts and beliefs. When we look at this negative phrases, you know, Mr. OCD, schizo, Miss Schizo today, those are very hurtful words. And you don't always know what someone is going through. And to label and to use very hurtful words and negative phrases can impound and can compound what's going on with that particular person. One of the things that we know is that when things are referred to by slang and not their true name, it can have a negative impact on them. An example, of course, is Obamacare. People call it Obamacare, and it almost has a negative cognitation to it instead of its proper name, which is the Affordable Health Care Act. Word selection can really make a huge impact on the message delivered.
making those discussions commonplace a great opportunity to bring mental health into the mainstream is by adding programs to your safety meetings and wellness clinics. Hold programs to discuss mental health, the signs, the symptoms, the effects, the impacts, and some resources as you would a wellness screening. Ask a clinician or mental health provider to come and provide information, brochures, and other takeaways to give to your employees. Post numbers and posters in your common areas or bulletin boards with, where you post other medical information. Don't limit your wellness screenings to just blood pressure, blood pressure cholesterol, or weight. Make conversations of mental health available during a wellness clinic will allow for proper information, cross-conversation, and openness to occur. It's important to get the word out and the visual as common as it says. We're going to have a blood pressure screening. We're going to have diabetes screening. All of those, if you do it for a medical issue, do it for a mental topic as well so that it doesn't become a foreign entity within your company's programs. Open conversations. Open conversations from all levels allows all workers to openly discuss concerns or difficulties they are having. Changes can occur and they have. Stigmas on health such as AIDS or hepatitis, have been reduced with education on the disease and open conversations and programs. The same can and is happening for mental health, and we need to continue to promote that. When we look at the potential impacts to business, of course, obviously, one of the they're all important, but one of the biggest things, of course, is poor job performance and productivity because we need to keep our companies running. But one of the most important ones here for me is risk to safety of employee and coworkers. Risk can be an injury as a result of not being attentive, losing focus, being distracted, and unable to concentrate. It doesn't necessarily mean, and that's why we wanted to put in there risk to safety of employee and coworkers, because if you have someone that is not focused on their task, then they may not be the injured person or the hindered person, but it certainly could be a coworker, someone that they're working with or someone in another department that they may not even realize what they're doing and how that impact can be. So we need to make sure that we are really addressing all of these things as part of our worker safety programs. We want to look at some of the things that we can do to go beyond just putting up a poster in the bulletin board or just having a flyer. So some of the things that we can do from an employer action are pretty pretty important. I want to just take a minute and go through all of these um, because I do think that they're that they're well worth the effort to talk about. So when we're looking at number one, which is employees are aware of benefits afforded by their medical plan. Insurances and what is covered are confusing to most everybody if you don't work with them. Insurance packets, packets are given. They are not always understood or looked at. And while, yes, reviewing them is the responsibility of the employee, perhaps during a company meeting, there could be a Q&A time for questions about the medical plan 
maybe it's sometime other than the annual renewal, because at the annual renewal, they're concentrating on what is their benefit going to be and how much is their copay going to be and their employee contribution versus actually looking at what the benefit gives them. So perhaps asking a month or two later, if everybody understands their benefit plan, that would be a great, a great thing to add in. Another thing when we're looking at the insurances is have a conversation with your insurance broker. While you would certainly think that your insurance broker would offer any new products that are out there, they may not. And it's a good time to ask if there are any free things or any additional mental health offerings that they have that you could offer to your employees. And then when we look at number three, which is the employee assistance program. Employee assistance programs are great. They offer a lot of resources, and unfortunately, they don't always get used to the level that they should. It's not always understood what the employee resource program offers. One of the things that is usually a covered topic is mental health. And it's common when you have an employee assistance program that the first one or two or three visits with a practitioner are covered under the employee assistance program and then no more. If that is something that's in your EAP program, it would be a good suggestion to have your employees Find someone in the employee assistance program and then make sure that they cross-reference over to your group medical because there's nothing worse than starting a program with one doctor and then having to change at the beginning and start all over again. And especially with something that may be hard enough to start that conversation to begin with as a mental health issue. So it's always great to make sure that whoever they start with through the EAP program accepts their insurance so that they can just continue seamlessly without a disruption in care. And then for four and five, they kind of go together. Um, you know, if you have a significant event, whether it be, like we spoke about earlier, a fatality, a significant injury, some type of fire, some type of explosion, you know, perhaps even a beloved CEO or owner of the company has, has passed away. If you have a significant event, you should have people get together and have conversations, whether it's that particular department or whether it's that shift, whatever it is. Because while they've all had the same experience, people react differently even to the same event. So you need to let them share with each other what they're going through and how they perceived it and how they can work through it. If the significant event was pretty pretty uh, significant, then it is always a good idea to bring in an outside counselor so that there's some professional guidance to help folks know where to go and know what to do. So here are some program suggestions. Um, if you did not know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. The green ribbon is a symbol. People can Put a variety of words on the on the ribbon itself, whether it's hope or break the stigma or mental health awareness. Um, you know, these are some things that you know you can do. Like I said, the stress prevention, leadership, comprehensive implementation of programs. Um, 
There are so many resources on the internet and so many suggested programs. There's community programs, walking programs. You can search by location, activity, topic. We all know the internet is a wealth of information out there. If you choose to develop a mental health awareness program, your timing would be perfect. With May being National Mental Health Awareness Month, that gives time to join a campaign or kick off a campaign within your company and make it a big celebration so that it, again, is not a stigma, that it's something, something that should not be discussed. Actions that you can take. There are no order of preference in this slide. We've mentioned them already. This page might be useful to print out as a reminder of potential activities or to use as a blueprint to create your own mental health programs within your own organizations. And definitely keep them as a pullout that you can use as a reference. And when you're looking, what should I put in? What shouldn't I put in? It's a great, a great amount of resource. Training for leaders. Just like training for drugs and alcohol, train managers to recognize signs and symptoms of stress and mental health. Mental health can be an uncomfortable topic for some, and proper training will reduce those fears. Leaders should be trained in signs of mental health, not only for their workers, but for coworkers as well. The company should also train the leaders on the actions they can take per their company policy. We want to make sure that we are giving what's allowed and not what we think is okay to give. And that again goes back to lack of knowledge and lack of understanding. We want to make sure that those that have a leadership role understand what can and can't be said and actions that can and can't be taken. So it's important to train your leaders just like we say, when you have the supervisor that can decide if somebody's under the influence of something, it's just as important to find a good training program for your leaders to make sure that they're aware of the signs and symptoms and what they can and cannot do. Acceptance and understanding. Those are really big things and they're different for other people. Lack of knowledge is one of the biggest influences in any fears or concerns we have pretty much about everything. Once we understand, those fears and concerns should go away or be minimized. The challenging part of mental health is when it is hidden by the person that is suffering. It is hard to relate to something that you cannot see. If someone has a broken bone and is in a cast or perhaps a wheelchair, there is never a misconception that those individuals are struggling. However, when an illness is not obvious or visible, there's much less understanding for those that are suffering. Just because the disease does not carry any outwardly symptoms, it does not mean that it is not as real, painful, or debilitating as the illnesses that are visible. One of the things that most people can relate to are headaches and migraines. People suffer terribly with headaches and migraines, and it's accepted because so many people have it, and it's become a common topic. But that, again, is something that you can't see, but because it's an accepted 
diagnosis and because it's spoken about and it's common and it's shared, people are very willing to accept people as their explanation that they have a migraine or they have a headache and everybody understands that they're going to be off and have a bad day that day, potentially have a bad day that day. So some strategies that we can put in place. So programs that might be available. Here are some suggested strategies that can be used. I wanted to highlight block one and block two. In block one, it talks about self-assessment checklists. Self-assessment checklists can be provided and used. However, it's important to make sure that they come from a reliable source, such as the CDC, National Institute for Health, APA, or perhaps the World Health Organization. We don't want to create a checklist that people may take as verbatim or that people may put a lot of emphasis and a lot of stock in that aren't asking the right questions or that don't have the right resources or the right education developing those checklists. So if you do choose to offer a checklist of any sort, we want to make sure that it really comes from a good, reliable source. In block two, it talks about resources. And I agree with this block. I find that paperwork for mental health works better than a web address. If you give a wallet card or a business card or perhaps an information sheet about the size of a postcard that can go in the employee's toolbox or go in their desk drawer, this will be viewable at much more frequency. It might even be a daily visible reminder that there are resources out there that's available to them or that they can share with other people. They open up their wallet to get their credit card for whatever reason, and perhaps that's there for them to see. It's always a great idea sometimes to have that piece of paper that you can hang on to. If you put a web address in someone's wallet, they're going to look at it, and it's just a bunch of letters in a line. It doesn't really offer them any information at all, especially if you give them a wallet card and it's got some contact numbers on it and some um, guidance on it. That would be would be a really great thing to provide. So healthy habits. Healthy habits are great all the way around, obviously. Staying connected, diet and exercise. There's nothing, you know, rocket science there. Everybody knows diet and exercise contributes to everything. Um, however, I did want to talk a little bit about education. Um, education, while yes, learning boosts self-esteem and fosters social interaction, it does not have to be college education. It does not have to require homework and studying and grades and deadlines. It could be some type of education that's a fun class. Take an art class, take a yoga class, perhaps a pet grooming class. Anything is, is a form of education if you haven't done it already or you want to get better at it. Um, and it's a great way to, again, give your mind a little bit of blow out the work webs that are hanging in your brain and let your brain do something else. And then the other one, of course, is to give back. Good deeds, act of kindness, no matter how small, increase your well-being being in your socialization. Something as simple as opening a door for a senior citizen or perhaps holding the door for a parent that their hands are full and they just are trying to juggle everything off of their hip. 
the amount of appreciation and that instant feedback sometimes can really brighten the day. On a bigger scale, there's so much out there that you could do as far as giving back. Volunteer, deliver meals to shut-ins, volunteer at a shelter, whether it's human or animal, volunteer to transport livestock from a rescue. You could volunteer at your local library or hospital. You could read to preschoolers, build houses with Habitat for Humanity. There are so many organizations out there that only need your time and help. What you receive back is companionship, a sense of accomplishment, new friendships, and a sense of fulfillment for a job well done. Giving a couple of hours once a month, once a quarter, whatever, once a week, whatever you choose to do can enrich your life tremendously. So we wanted to look at some steps you can take. And some of these, again, are things that maybe you want to hang on to in case you do decide to develop some type of wellness program, mental health wellness program. You know, when we look at um, customized workstations, sometimes we have to be careful that we don't violate policy. Uh, we have to be careful about the photos and the seasonal decorations and those types of things that we display, but sometimes allowing people to have a few personal items at their workstation can certainly brighten their day. Um, like we spoke about earlier, if you see that someone is really struggling or really in distress, go ahead and removing them from that environment. Animals. We're seeing pet therapy everywhere, in hospitals, brightening the day. If you allow a pet to come in or you allow pets in your workplace, make sure everybody's fully aware of the rules. Um, but definitely having a dog come up to you wagging his tail can absolutely put a smile on pretty much everybody's face. Another one is go green. Let someone take care of a plant um, at their workstation, or perhaps your break room has soothing water and maybe some small fish or something along those lines as a nice visual display for your workers. And encourage walking. Encourage walking programs at break. Encourage people to get outside and get that fresh air and get that break from that climate within your your own work facility. And then another one that's kind of fun is desktop games. There really is a lot of benefit to those little stress balls that you get at trade shows or that people give as, as gifts, um, certain things like maybe a small basketball hoop. And of course, the famous one is Newton's Cradle, where you just knock the balls and they go back and forth for a while. It just kind of breaks your stress of the project that you're working on for that moment and gives you something else to think about. So this is an employer's checklist, and it's exactly what it is. It's just, again, something that you could refer back to and something that you could put away with all of those things to kind of go through when you're talking about programs and policies and are you doing this, aren't you doing this. It's just some, some helpful hints. And then this here is the employee checklist. If you or your employees are answering no to any one of these, these questions, this is where the conversation needs to begin. If you don't feel that you're being heard, if you don't feel that you belong in your group, in your company, in your work environment, if you do not feel that you're contributing, if you feel you have no choices, if you feel you have no voice, if you feel you have no say, 
if you feel that you're safe and your voices are falling on deaf ears? Um, and, and are you empowered? Do you have the autonomous right or the autonomous opportunity to make changes and to help others or help yourself. So if you're saying no or someone you know is saying no to anything here on this checklist, this is a great time to start those conversations. So now we're at everybody's checklist. And these are absolutely everybody's checklist, and it doesn't matter whether you're the employee or you're the employer. Um, evaluate your situation. That's a that's a tough one. Um, that's a tough one because that's self-looking. Evaluate your situation, and it's really hard to be honest and critical with ourselves, and you need to look at your own environment and your own situation and be honest and have those hard questions. And then the next one, of course, is cutting your losses. Um, that's, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, you have to cut your loss and move on. Sometimes you could be in a bad environment. It could be a bad relationship. It could be the wrong job of choice. You have to cut that loss and decide that you're going to 